Welcome to the NerdWallet Smart Money Podcast, where we answer your personal finance questions and help you feel a little smarter about what you do with your money. I'm your host, Liz Weston. And I am your other host, Sean Piles. As always, be sure to send us your money questions, call or text us on the Nerd Hotline at 901-730-6373. That's 901-730-NERD. Or you can email us at podcast at nerdwallet.com. And while you're at it, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're getting this podcast. All right. This episode, we're taking on a money question about whether Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are a smart investment. Spoiler alert. They might not be. But first, <laughs> Liz and I are going to do our new segment this week in your money. And we're going to be talking about what it means to work from home and remote work in general, because that's a lot of our new normals. Right. The other week, Twitter announced that employees could work from home forever. And that got us thinking about the opportunities of working from home, the challenges it presents, and what our own experiences have been. Yeah. As a quick aside, I don't think they would have gotten nearly as much press had they not used the word forever in there <laughs> because <laughs> a lot of places are working from home indefinitely, but it's not quite as splashy a word as forever. <laughs> yes. It's we, for example, have been working from home for quite a long time. It's been two years for me. And how long have you been working from home, Liz? A long, long time. Uh, 2002. So what is okay. it, 18 years? A long, Man. long freaking time. Yeah. So you are a professional, <laughs> like a certified pro and working from home. I would love to hear from you about what has and hasn't worked for you. I've learned some lessons along the way, but what about you? Well, I think the big lesson is the learning to separate work life and home life. Mm. And I love working from home because I can blend those two things. Yes. I can get up, walk around, do the dishes, think about a column lead, walk the dog, you know, and, right. and I'm working the whole time because my head's working on whatever I'm, I'm doing. The problem is, is when that goes on indefinitely. And yeah. one of the things I finally learned to do, and it took a long time, was literally shut my computer off, not just put it to sleep and not just walk away, shut it off at the end of the day, because that marks, boom, mm -hmm. okay, now we're switching to family time, to home time, whatever. Yeah, boundaries are super important, even when you are kind of blending them like every day, mm -hmm. midday, I take my dog for a good hour long walk. And as you said, I mean, I'm often thinking about an article or the next podcast episode that you and I are going to be recording, but physically I'm out there at the park. I'm not at my computer and that helps me a lot. And it helps that my manager knows, okay, Sean's going to be taking a break midday. I won't be able to talk to him for this hour, but she also knows that when I get back, I'll be there and I'll be able to finish my work. But I've made it pretty clear from the get-go that I do have those firm lines. And at the same time, I'm also pretty good about finishing my work ahead of time, which I think makes this a little bit easier to get away with. Well, and you brought up a really good point is communication. Mm. That is key. Your team needs to know when they can find you. And if they need to get to you in an emergency when you are offline, how to do that. I think that's right. something that takes a little while to build up the remembering to do it and the team's trust that they can find you. Right. What has been particularly challenging for you, Sean? For me, sometimes the boundaries do bleed together, especially when it's the middle of winter here in Portland, it's super rainy. I don't really want to get dressed for work, but I sometimes will get to a place where I'm just wearing sweats every single day. I'm rolling out of bed, opening up the laptop, 
throwing out some emails. And when I begin to let things bleed in that way, which is so easy to do Mm -hmm. gradually, that's when I find, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm feeling kind of bogged down and I can't separate my home self from my work self, even though it's all happening in the same space. So making sure that I'm firm about those boundaries can be hard for me sometimes. Yeah, that you know, the dressing up for me actually has been an important part of this. And it's interesting because people love the idea of being able to wear sweats all day. Yeah. I can't get in the right mindset if I'm right. still in my pajamas or whatever. What was interesting is NerdWallet sent the the remote team kind of a gift. They sent us a piece of swag, which was the most comfortable pair of sweats. Oh, oh, aren't they heavenly? They're so soft, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes it all the more alluring to wear them exactly, all day long. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I had to give mine to my daughter. It's like, no, no, this is just too tempting. Very early on, I made a decision that the distractions cannot happen during the day. In other words, no watching TV, no yes. going off to my favorite blogs or whatever. I really do need to set aside this time and not let myself wander away, which is easy to do, easy to get distracted. Yeah. Yeah. I have friends that can watch TV while they're writing or Mm -hmm. doing any kind of work. And there's just no way I could balance the two of those things. Um, But it's been really interesting seeing my partner adjust to work from home life because with his work, you could never work from home really. And now they've had to. And it was a little bit difficult for him in the beginning to say, okay, now how are we going to work in the same space? Our house isn't all that big. When are you going to start work and stop work? How are we going to juggle the chores that we're going to be doing? Like that, I think, again, takes a lot of communication and negotiation. Mm -hmm. And it's just the two of us with our pets here. I I can only imagine how it is for other families that have younger kids or kids in elementary school, something like that, where they have to take care of them as well as working. Yeah, that is a huge issue that probably hasn't gotten enough attention that people with little kids are going up the wall because little kids need a ton of attention and they don't understand, Hey, my boss is on the line. I've got to deal with him right now. Yeah. And it's not funny. I mean, it's some of these things are amusing when you see the kid pop into the screen during a zoom meeting, but parents are at the end of their rope and my heart just goes out to them. I have a teenager. She loves to be in her room anyway. So it's not (laughs) been an issue. Uh, yeah, we got it. We got to figure out some way to support parents a little bit better, especially if daycares aren't opening up again. Yeah, I think that what has helped me when I feel a little bit bogged down, I'm sure that a lot of parents might not have the flexibility to do this, but when I'm feeling overwhelmed or stressed, what helps me beyond taking my dog for a walk is honestly just having a nap. A 20-minute nap, (laughs) which is one of the (laughs) best perks of working from home as opposed to working in the office is I get that brain fog like 2.30 p.m. I just can't focus on anything. I'll find myself scrolling in social media, and I'm just doing it because I feel like I need to be at my computer. Whereas Mm -hmm. if I took that 20 minutes, closed my eyes, I set a timer on my phone, after that short laydown, I feel totally refreshed. Yes. And I think that it's really important to be able to recognize when you need to take a break and you don't have to force yourself to continue chugging along at the monitor because that's what you feel like you quote unquote should be doing. Well, and Sean, you mentioned that you take a walk every day and that is hugely important. I don't think we fully grasp when we start working from home, how much basic exercise we got when we were going to an office. I mean, just walking to your car, driving, and then getting out of your car and then walking to the office and popping up to get some coffee or, you know, talk to a coworker, whatever it is, there's a lot of movement built in to Mm -hmm. going to an office that suddenly goes away. And if you aren't moving that body, if you aren't deliberately setting aside some time to exercise, 
your brain is going to atrophy. It's going <laughs> right. to be really and hard your to muscle pay attention. As well. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that yeah. as well. I mean, I would have days when I first started working from home where one, I wouldn't leave the apartment all day, but two, I wouldn't talk to anyone besides people on Zoom or Slack at, mm. at work. And mm -hmm. I would be like a puppy waiting for my partner to get home. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, <laughs> finally someone to talk to. How incredible. Whereas he's super exhausted. He just walked home from work. So he's not in any mood to talk. And then we got a dog and everything became a lot more balanced because now I'm getting that activity making friends at the dog park, which, you know, you can still do while socially distancing. Um, and, yes. and that made me feel like I was getting that balance again, because that's really what is the key to success is knowing what works for you in terms of your workflow when you're your most productive and when you need to take a break and maybe make a nice lunch for yourself, which I'll admit I almost never do, but whatever <laughs> works for you to have some sort of stability and flexibility in your work schedule. And one of the great things about this unintentional experiment that we're all experiencing is that everybody's kind of doing the same thing. Everybody's mm -hmm. now remote. Everybody's now wrestling with Zoom. Everybody's trying to learn all these things. So you can actually bond with other people just sharing what works for you or simply sharing what's not working for right. me. We've had some great discussions online via Slack and via Zoom just about the fact that we are zoomed out yes. or that, you know, this is a problem or that's a problem. And just getting support from your coworkers is huge. It can make you feel a lot less alone. Any other tips that you have around working from home and, and work-life balance? I would just forgive yourself a lot. <laughs> it's going to take <laughs> yeah. a while to get your, to get your groove on and you're going to forget certain things and you're going to fall into bad habits. And it's just pull yourself back up, get restarted. You can restart 20 times a day if you need to. Yeah. And also remember, you're not just working from home. We're all working from home in the middle of a global pandemic, the scale of which we've never seen before. Mm -hmm. And it's hard and there's no getting around that. So giving mm -hmm. yourself a lot of room to maybe not be your most productive, but also understand when you can work, when you can't and being flexible. Yeah, I think that's important. All right. Well, I think that about covers it for now. Let's get to this episode's question from a nameless listener. As a quick aside, when you guys send us your money questions, please tell us your name and maybe a little bit about yourself. Do this in part because I am personally nosy, but also <laughs> it can help us answer your money questions with a little bit more depth and clarity. Um, anyway, the question this week is, is Bitcoin a safe investment and do you recommend it? No and no. Okay, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, easy. Wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to help answer this question, though, we're talking with one of our favorite investing nerds, Ariel O'Shea. All right, let's get into it. Hey, Ariel, thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. We are super happy to have you here, and we're hoping you can help us answer a couple of simple, but maybe not so simple questions. Basically, our dear nameless listener is wondering whether Bitcoin is a safe investment and whether we nerds recommend it. What do you say? I say that, you know, you're right. I wish I knew more about this person because if they are looking to invest in Bitcoin for fun, they have a little, you know, money set aside to play and I would emphasize play, then I would give a different answer um, than I would give, you know, a general audience, which is like Liz said, no and no. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's important to understand that like investments, especially ones that are going to earn you a decent return are not safe. If you want to earn a return, you are not also going to be able to keep your money safe. Those two things don't necessarily go together. So 
you know, no, Bitcoin is not safe. I don't recommend it. Uh, you know, we recommend low cost index funds. But there are various levels of risk you take when you invest. So at one end are investments like treasury bills that the government issues. Those have an incredibly low risk of losing money. And they also have an incredibly low return. In the middle somewhere of this continuum would be a diversified portfolio of stocks. At the very far end of the risk scale are things like commodities and futures and other super volatile investments. You could earn a lot, but you also could lose a lot. That's where Bitcoin fits in. But if you are still interested in Bitcoin, or um, you know, we could maybe get at some of the reasons why you're interested in Bitcoin. Like, are you looking for a little thrill, nameless listener? <laughs> um, there are, you know, other ways to find that. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, I'm really interested in the blockchain technology, which underlies all the cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, and all the other ones. Blockchain technology is a thing. Big companies are investing in it. It is the way of the future. We're going to see a lot more of it. But that doesn't mean that every investment in blockchain technology or cryptocurrency is going to work out. As Ariel says, it's very, very speculative. Right, exactly. And I think, you know, Bitcoin and crypto have risks that are not typical with other investments. Um, you know, some of them can happen with other investments, but hacking is a bigger issue with Bitcoin. You know, hot wallets where Bitcoin are stored are sort of big targets for hackers. And then there's, you know, investing is a little bit complex. It requires a little bit of knowledge. And Bitcoin in particular has a much steeper learning curve than most investments, I would say. I mean, if you were going to invest in it, then you need to be able to do the research. And that's going to require a lot of time and a little bit more know-how. You have to have to be pretty good about keeping track of your passwords and your pins. <laughs> if you uh, if you have trouble with that with your ATM card, man, don't go anywhere near cryptocurrency. And if you if you want to know why, a friend of mine wrote a column for Wired magazine, Mark Fraunfelder, about losing his password. And you should read that before you invest in any of this stuff. It's pretty harrowing. Yeah, and that's not a risk that you would think of when you, you know, are talking about your retirement account or other investments. So that's definitely right. something to highlight. Yeah, it's not like you can call up your uh, bank and get your password reset if you lose it. Okay, so say our nameless listener here is just looking to do some hands-on investing, and Bitcoin seemed like a pretty tempting way to do that. I have some friends that saw it as a quick way to make money, which obviously some people have made a lot of money on it, but it's not necessarily a safe way to do that. But Ariel, I'm wondering what you think would be some safer ways for someone to do hands-on investing that might have some good returns. So again, you know, I don't want to imply that anything is safe. And I would say that before you dabble in any of these, you know, more thrilling investment strategies, more hands-on investment strategies, you should make sure that you have some building blocks in place. So that means you're investing enough for retirement and that money is going into tax-advantaged accounts and, you know, in investments like low-cost index funds and diversified portfolios that you can build with those. But aside from that, if you have that all covered, you can set aside, you know, maybe 10% of your overall portfolio to dabble in some more active strategies. So that might be investing in individual stocks, right? So there are a lot of uh, brokerages now that are offering 
even fractional shares where you can buy a small portion of any stock rather than forking over the whole share price, which in some cases can be pretty big. So that's a good way to go because you don't need to put a lot of money into it. It's not a big investment, but you can put a few dollars here and there into lots of different individual stocks and then kind of follow them and learn about investing that way and get, you know, get a little bit of fun out of it that you're not going to get with sort of more of those passive investments like those index funds. And that way you're doing it without having a target on your back for hackers. So that's a plus. That is a plus. Yes, for sure. So you can invest in, you know, big, well-established companies, and that's going to be a even less risky than something like Bitcoin, right? You're still investing in individual stocks, so you're getting a little bit of that active portfolio, but you're not going all the way to Bitcoin, which is extremely risky, extremely, you know, speculative. And if you're like me, where you're interested in the blockchain technology that underlies all this, maybe look at the companies that are investing in that and invest in them. So there's lots of financial services companies, insurance companies, all kinds of companies. Just do some searches and you'll see who's really diving in big time on blockchain. And that's a way to put a little money on it without putting all your retirement or all your funds at risk. Exactly. That's a great suggestion. Is there a middle ground between investing in Bitcoin and going one of the safer routes like with a brokerage firm? There is. So there are brokerage firms more and more that are offering Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. So you could open an account with one of those firms. Um, Some examples are Robinhood, which is known for free trading, SoFi Wealth, TradeStation. These brokers all offer cryptocurrency as well as all the traditional investments, you know, index funds that I mentioned before and ETFs and individual stocks. So you could sort of do both with an account at one. And so that's a good option if you want to kind of dabble. All right, Ariel, I want to address now one key word in the nameless listeners question, the word safe. What do you think would be some good safe investments for them to pursue? So if you are looking for safety, nameless listener, and it sounds like you are, then you really want to kind of steer away from investing, honestly, and look at things like money market accounts, online high yield savings accounts, which aren't as high yield as they used to be now that interest rates are down, but they are paying more than the traditional brick and mortar bank. There are also accounts, cash management accounts. You might also consider certificates of deposits. These are called CDs and they're best if you know the amount of time that you want to put your money away for. So if you have a goal that's, you know, one, two, three, five years away, you can put your money in a certificate of deposit and perhaps earn a little bit more than you would earn in a high yield savings account or something like that. So that's where I would go if you're primarily looking for safety. Yeah, it is interesting that people talk about safe investments. And a lot of the ones who contact me are looking for a safe investment with a high return. And it's really hard to get across the idea. Those don't go together. You know, if you've got a safe investment, you know, safe is a relative word, but if you've got something where you can't lose your principal, you aren't going to get a big return. You're probably not even going to keep up with inflation. Is that something you run into too, Ariel? Absolutely. And so that's the trade-off, right? You can either have safety or you can have a high return. And the investments that are paying a high return are doing so because they're asking you to give up that safety. Um, And so that's what people have to understand. And generally speaking, if you have a really long-term investment, if you're investing for retirement or something that's very far away, Uh, you can give up that safety because you have that long time horizon and you can ride out volatility. And so you're able to sort of chase those higher returns. But again, you need to do so with a diversified portfolio. And that does not come from investing in Bitcoin or, you know, any one asset. Okay. Well, I think that that about touches on all of the aspects of our nameless listeners questions. 
any final words you have, Ariel? No, I would just remind people to, you know, make sure that they're putting the bulk of their portfolio into diversified investments and then allowing themselves to, if they, you know, are after that kind of active strategy to do that, but to do it with a very small portion of that portfolio. So again, our rule of thumb is really 10% of or less. If you want to play around in the market, you should keep that game to 10% or less of your portfolio. All right. Well, thank you so much. Sure. Thank you for having me. And now let's get to our takeaway tips. First of all, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency are extremely risky investments. Ask yourself what financial goal you're hoping to achieve when you're thinking about investing in cryptocurrency and maybe think about other ways to achieve it. Next up, if you are set on investing in a speculative stock like Bitcoin or in individual stocks, we recommend keeping those investments to less than 10% of your portfolio. Safety and high returns do not go together. If you need to keep your money safe, in other words, if you can't risk losing your principal, stick to money market accounts, high yield savings accounts, and certificates of deposit. And that is all we have for this episode. If you have a money question of your own, turn to the nerds and call or text us on the nerd hotline at 901-730-6373. That's 901-730-NERD. Or you can email us at podcast at nerdwallet.com. Also visit nerdwallet.com slash podcast for more info on this episode. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you're getting this podcast. And here's our brief disclaimer thoughtfully crafted by NerdWallet's legal team. Your questions are answered by knowledgeable and talented finance writers, but we are not financial or investment advisors. This nerdy info is provided for general educational and entertainment purposes and may not apply to your specific circumstances. And with that said, until next time, turn to the nerds.